Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. It has been over a month. For that, I apologize. I uh, had a little lengthy trip in Africa, and I had two podcasts fall through last week. So I had to go to the old booty call of podcast guests and sent, sent Kyle Porter a little text, just said, hey, you up? And of course, he responded, answered the call, and he's here to help rig in the new year. Kyle Porter, what's going on? Uh, not much. You know, I, I'm actually surprised uh, that that I'm the guest here. I figured it would be either just you by yourself reading reading poetry to Justin Thomas <laughs> just out loud for an hour, or I, I thought you might just call uh, Thomas's cell phone and just tell him to, to to put it put it you know to the side. And just it would just be you listening to him, like traveling back to, to the continental United States after he burned the island of Hawaii to the ground. Um, so I'm 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 grateful to be here, uh, following up Rory and Spieth. I mean, it's it's a big honor. I followed up uh, DeChambeau on on Shane's podcast. Man, you are a uh, I don't know I don't know how to describe that, but I mean it's a you're you're like the safety net to fall back on here. I haven't gotten to, like yeah. share any takes forever because I've been uh, been lucky enough to interview some of the top players in the game. I need I need to be able to get some things off my chest though. Like, nobody tunes into those to hear me talk. No one no one tunes into these to hear me talk, anyways. But uh, we have a lot to talk about this time around. It's been a while, first of all, since we've caught up. I just realized we haven't done one the two of me and you since August, I think, after the PGA, other than the Ryder Cup one, which yeah. was just a, a, a very different one, uh, <laughs> a different experience. But the, the, the best, the, maybe the best lingering part from that is. Um, we were, I believe, we were in my hotel room, all four of us—you, me, uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg, and, and Brennan Porath—and um, I was working on something, and, and you guys were trying to get started. And, and was it Porath that said, "You, you writing some takes over there? What are you, what, what are you writing over there? Takes." <laughs> We recorded that like one in the morning. That's still one of my, like my favorite podcasts ever because we were just one of my favorite, we, favorite weeks ever. Yeah, we were only like two beers deep, but we were so drunk on what happened that day that we yeah. were just like just sounded like idiots in that thing. But it was great. But um, I, I I'm having trouble uh, like really understanding how we let this happen. Meaning, uh, I don't think I could have hyped Justin Thomas any more than I have, and I still didn't see this coming. Uh, how do how did we let this happen? I, I don't know. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and, and I was actually thinking about this last night. I was preparing some takes for today, and uh, I we sh- we should have seen it coming more than we did. It, it's really hard because I mean, now he's won like four out of his first seventy five events on the PGA Tour, which is just outrageous. I mean, that's it's an incredible percentage. And I think Spieth kind of ruined us in terms of like what the trajectory of a, of a young uh, American superstar is. I mean, this has been this is and I realized it after the Tournament of Champions. It's not that him winning the Tournament of Champions made him a superstar, but it made me realize that this has been his trajectory all along. He's he's been a superstar at every level, and we I, it just is it's sort of like sinking in now that he's won back to back tournaments. I guess. 
I've I've always kind of felt a bit too close to it. Like I want to project him to be you, like your kid. Yeah, a little bit. Like I want to believe that he's like one of the best like players in the world, but didn't like want to again couldn't trust myself on that instinct because I remember you wrote in your predictions for 2017. Um, I was reading it and you said Justin Thomas moves into the top ten, and I was like, well, well, wait, wait a second here, Porter. Let's let's not get too carried away. <laughs> Two weeks into the year, he's ranked eighth in the world. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible. It, it is it is weird because it, it, I, I don't know, and I don't know if this is again like the speed effect, but he, he sort of has gotten drowned out a little bit. Like these guys that we think of as top ten guys, like you you feel like you've heard about him from being seventeen, eighteen years old, and, and for whatever reason. I mean, obviously, those close to golf, like like deep inside golf, know about him or whatever. But it's not like he was hyped like a Tiger or a Phil, and 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 Spieth was even a little bit like that at the beginning. Like people who were close, who followed college golf, were like, oh yeah, Spieth's amazing. But it wasn't like I don't know nationally, it, it wasn't as big of a deal, and and it sort of feels the same way with, with Justin Thomas. I know what you're saying though about being too close to it, because still, I'm like. I mean, I know he's he's amazing. Obviously, he's top ten player in the world. But it just still feels like, wait, this is this is our guy. Like, is, is he allowed to do this? Like, should he really be in the top eight right now? So, it's uh, it's definitely strange, but um, it, it's it's also really exciting. He he won by seven. He won by seven shots. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, and and Spieth goes to Hawaii and, and shoots thirty five under and gets beat by fourteen strokes combined over the two weeks. I mean, that that's remarkable to me. Like, if you would have told if you told Jordan Spieth two weeks ago he was gonna he was gonna shoot thirty five under for the two events, he would have thought he was at least getting one win, if not both of them. And he didn't even come close. He didn't even I sniff mean, it. it, it it was it was it was crazy. He won three out of five events, none of them within three shots. And then, do you understand? I mean, I'm sure you do, but I'm not sure people understand how hard it is to run away with an event on like a a very easy setup. Like every, those setups, like pretty much everyone goes deep. It is yeah. so hard to go so much deeper than everyone else. Look at like the big uh, shot different, like big gaps or big big wins margin of victory. Obviously, think back to like Tiger U.S. Open 2000. He shot 12 under. The next guy was plus three. Uh, when Rory won the U.S. Open, he was like 16 or 17 under. And when he won the PGA, he was 12 under. Usually when you shoot 27 under, there's a guy at like 24 or 25. It's really hard to really separate yourself. But he just hit the PGA Tour scoring record. Like I still I still kind of am in disbelief. And it's funny. I, I, I stayed up. So first of all, he only wins in the Pacific, which is just the worst for anyone watching in Europe. It's terrible. <laughs> Um, I told him when he won in Malaysia to please make sure the next one is in a, rel- a a time zone that is much more viewable for me. He somehow just keeps making it worse. Hawaii is like the worst place for me. I, I gave up. I didn't even have to watch it yesterday. I didn't even watch the finish. I went to bed. Yeah, I don't blame you. And the funny thing about that, so I saw him at uh, Riviera last year at the at – the, whatever it's called. I forget. I don't even – that tournament has had like 50 names. But um, – Let's just call it Riviera, and I saw him on the range, and we were talking, and I said, I said, uh, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I said, good luck, man, you know, I, I, rooting for you to get your first your first win soon, and I'd forgotten that he had won the, the Malaysia, and then I, like, like 15 minutes later, it just hit me, like, all at once, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I'm a, like, I cover golf for a living, this is embarrassing, and uh, so I sent him a message later, and I was like, 
What, what I meant to say is good luck getting your first win where I'm not up at 2 in the morning trying to watch it. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But it, it was really like, I really want to unfollow you on Twitter probably. <laughs> um, one time, this was like, I want to say like summer 2007 or something. Um, I met Mike Conley, who's the, is he still playing for the Grizzlies now? I don't even yeah. follow basketball that much. I, He's got the highest, uh, the biggest contract in NBA history. Okay. Well, I met him at a bar, and uh, I was talking to him, and I was just like, you know, whatever, talking any anything, and I asked him how he liked playing in Vancouver. And <laughs> I didn't realize until like four years later that I had asked him that, and I was like, oh my god, he plays in Memphis. But it took me four years to realize that I had messed that up, and when I did, I couldn't have felt more, I felt more dumb. Um, uh, so, can you? One, one thing I think is also getting underrated with what JT just did. We're going to do this JT thing for a while. So if, oh, if yeah. you're if oh, you're yeah. if you're sick of this, you might as well tune out now. But you can just skip ahead to about the I don't know forty eight minute mark <laughs> when we start talking about something else. Uh, can you imagine winning on like two more different golf courses too? Yeah, that that's that's remarkable. It, it was funny because it, I, I understand Capilou a little bit more just because he's he's very much. I mean, he's the ambassador, right? Like he's he's not he's not laying up on anything. But it was funny to watch him. It was funny to watch like him and Zach Johnson playing the same group at, at the Sony because. JT was taking some cuts that I was like, "Bro, you're gonna you're gonna tear something." Like on 18, some of the lines he was taking, it was a joke. And I think that um, it, it was it was really obviously impressive what he did. But like you said, to do it on on two different courses like that, the the Sony impressed me more. And 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 he said. Just because it was a bigger field, uh, you ha- you still have the top guys, Spieth, Rose, Hideki. But he said afterwards that he was. Uh, more uh, satisfied with the margin of victory than with actual uh, like getting to 27 under and, and just as a reference to what you said a while ago of it, it's it's I mean beating beating Justin Rose by seven and Jordan Spieth by eight it, Spieth said it he's like I feel like we were playing two different tournaments and it, it really did and and uh, yeah I, I couldn't be more impressed with what he did the, the lines he was taking I, I said it's disrespectful I mean it was disrespectful what? to golf course designers it's uh, it was offensive. Some of those lines he was taking. I, I find it interesting how well he plays some of these. You know, he is this kind of bomber style player, but he see, I think he tends to like these style golf courses more than like even like a Kapalua. He play, he loves Silverado, which isn't really that much of a bomber's paradise, if I'm thinking right. He loves Sawgrass, which is definitely not a bomber's paradise. So yeah. I, 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 I feel like... And I've thought this before, and this is kind of predates the no laying up days in the podcast, but he is everything like that I wanted Kyle Stanley to be. Just a guy that can bomb the ball, but he a smaller guy that just, you know, is shaped like a rubber band and can swing at 120 miles an hour and 180 mile an hour ball speed. But he's so well rounded and honestly the part that impresses me the most is his putting and the fact that he uh he he just seems to have a different kind of confidence level right now. And when he's when he's standing over a fifteen foot putt, over other than like speed, there's not really many guys I'm like that much more confident that he's gonna make that putt. Well that that was the thing that struck me about Sony is that he I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't watch the whole I didn't watch all four days. I watched a lot of it, but it felt like he made like 10 13 foot par putts 
and, and I don't know. I mean, obviously he didn't make that many, but it felt like he made so many long putts to keep these these rounds of 65, 65, 64, and the 59 going that, <laughs> yeah, just saying it out loud. I know, it's ridiculous. You can laugh, it's fine. It was a, yeah, what's the, what's the word for, um, not canary, what does what is, what is Tron reference, the, the birdies? The, uh, the Audubon Society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he he destroyed some uh, some some birdies at, at the Sony Open, and, but but really it was those long par putts um, to me that that were incredibly impressive to keep those round keep the momentum of those rounds going. Because the last couple of days he didn't really get going for the first six or seven holes. He didn't make a birdie until the eighth hole on Sunday, and then he just just commits an act of arson on the back nine you know with with all the birdies that he made so i don't know i'm surprised the usga hasn't put out a statement yet on what happened in hawaii um, <laughs> like we're coming for your revenge on you yeah yeah like aaron hills is actually going to play 9,500 yards instead of 8,000. <laughs> but might... I, I did want to ask you i was thinking about this last night if you were given like if you could somehow time machine uh, tiger in the at the 2000 U.S. Open to to Justin Thomas right now, who would you who would you pick in that like just match play with a thousand dollars of your money on the line? I mean that Tiger performance is like the greatest of all time, isn't it? I don't think I can. I, I, it's a different animal to do it on a golf course like Pebble than a course like Wailea. I would think. I would think. I don't know. I, how does how well does what, what Thomas just did translate to like a U.S. Open style setup? I have no idea. So, well, so, I, so the, the the reason that I know you're in you're in the the tank for Thomas is that I was I was kidding about that. Like, that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> I was wondering. I, I was. I was taken back by the question. It didn't sound like you were joking. <laughs> and I was like, I got to take him down from this one a little bit softly, but I got to take you, him down. Uh, and you, you're, you're in. Like you're like, oh, but, you know. <laughs> I, I did answer that very seriously. <laughs> um, can we talk about how there's two par fives on this golf course, and so he plays eight par fives in four rounds, and he played them in ten under, and he didn't make a par. Yeah. They're kind of a joke par fives, I know, but he was first in strokes gain off the tee, first in strokes gain tee to green, first in driving distance, fourth in strokes gain approaching the green, and second in strokes gain putting. Uh, it's pretty good. Is that, is that good? <laughs> <clears throat> the big question is, how does this make you reassess his ceiling at this point? Yeah, that, that is a good question, and, and that's sort of what I was referencing earlier with, I, I feel like his trajectory has been uh, that of a superstar all along. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I guess it, I, I mean, it, it does, I guess, but I, I don't, I guess I don't really know what I thought his ceiling was coming into the year. Um, I, I think, I think I thought of his ceiling coming into the year as winning uh, 15 career events and two majors. Would that be a fair ceiling coming into the year? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Al- it's always hard with ceiling, right? Because, I mean, like Rory's ceiling might be like 12 majors. If we're talking about ceiling, like the absolute best he can do. So, like, if you guess wrong on a guy's ceiling, you've kind of screwed it up already. You know what I mean? Like, if we're talking about like absolute best possible potential. 
yeah. you can't that should that shouldn't be something that you adjust even though i just asked you like are we adjusting the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean like we should we should be able to see what somebody's potential is um i think for me it kind of makes me reassess what i think his actual potential is so uh yeah. I, I don't disagree with two majors 15 wins um but oh man are we talking like <laughs> it's about to get really crazy are we talking like a phil career well, <laughs> okay, so here's my thing. Here's one of the problems, and, and I was sort of – I was saying about this last night too just generally is we, we don't really know how to assess careers of young guys because we're, we're basing it on the careers of like a Jim Furyk and even a Phil or a Tiger who I, – I, I got I to say this – they didn't play in as tough of a uh, of a generation as these guys are currently playing in. I mean, if you're like Will Wilcox or Henrik Norlander, like why do you even show up to major championships? <laughs> Where did you get those two names from? I don't know. It's I Willie Wilcox. Just, it's Willie Wilcox now. Well, it, he can take his yellow ball and, and go do something. <laughs> go play but, somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like to, to win in this era, I think. I think it is. I think it means more. I, I think that. I think it's harder to win right now. And, and my, I wrote a column about this last year. But my point was, in what industry ever in the history of, of, uh, of capitalism have you ever infused more money, like a lot more money, in, in, into that industry, and it's not gotten more competitive? That's what's happening right now in golf. And. And it started happening when Tiger entered, and now you're seeing sort of the fruit of that. You're seeing the effects of that. And so I don't really know, like, I think that 20 and 25 times on the PGA Tour is close to the equivalent of what Phil's done, which is when mm. I think 42 or 43 times. Do, do you feel like there needs to be a, a kind of a readjustment of what we consider an elite career? Yeah, follow the money, first of all. Um, I'm with you. Props on bringing capitalism into this argument as well. But... Uh, without a doubt. I mean, you look at, <clears throat> I've actually been doing, I'm working on like a new series that we're going to do where I'm going to look back just kind of at a, a random major championship from 10, 12, five years ago, whatever. I and like that. just kind of talk about, just kind of highlight some things that you probably forgot about. It. Like, oops, sorry. Like, uh, I don't know. We all remember Tiger winning the 06 Open Championship. But like, do you remember, you know, what, like, I was watching, saw highlights the other day of the 2012 PGA. Like, Vijay Singh led alone on, on the weekend of the 2012 PGA. <laughs> so, I, I think, like, if you look back in, at some of the things that happened in the mid-2000s and a lot of those tournaments, it really, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of astonishing. Like, the fact that in that 06 Open Championship, Anthony Wall, Greg Owen, and K- Kichiro Fukubori were we're we're in second place after the first round. Like that's the kind of things that happened back then. Whereas I just feel like it doesn't happen at the same frequency here. So I'm with you. I don't know what the scale is. Twenty five, you know, wins in this era to um whatever forty two, forty three that Phil has won. But I definitely think that uh it's not the same um you know yeah, it's not it's not it's it's a sliding scale and I don't know how you how you equate it, but there is definitely something to what you just said. Yeah, I, I don't know. Those are some amazing names, by the way. Um, I, I just, I, I, and, and this goes back to um, what Rory said on your podcast um, a couple, I guess it was a couple of months. Shout out to Rory for being on your podcast, by the way. Um, 
but just about like winning majors and people don't really and you and i have talked about this for a long time the people that that we kind of chat with have talked about it winning majors is not a joke like winning and 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 this is where i think it's going to get interesting and, and i think this has been a shane bacon thing but the the one major club or maybe this was maybe you came up with this but the the, the one major club is going to be just rife with golfers from this era i mean jason duffner uh webb simpson jim fury just just guys like that like if you can get out of that one major club, like if you're Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, if you can get out, if you can get two, then I think that's it. I mean, I think two majors is is like automatic Hall of Fame status right now. I just, I just do. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to do, and and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what what Thomas and and uh, and and going beyond him, Patrick Reed, and and some of these younger guys do at the majors this year. Let, let's just let's just for for argument's sake, let's make that number three. That has nothing to do with the fact that Zach Johnson has two. Okay, but we're just gonna we're gonna slide that that, <laughs> that number up there to, up there to three. Okay, we'll make it that one. Uh, no, I mean I've made the point. I've made the point many times. Every time that um, we do this era talk or talk about anything like that, or you know, some people want to claim Jason Day is the king of golf now and all this stuff. It's like. No, just because Rory hasn't won a major in the last two years doesn't mean that like his four majors are. Uh, Rory's younger than Jason Day, right? So just the fact that yeah. you know Day is one right now and Rory's two, if you stack up their resumes next to each other, it's not really a close comparison. Four majors versus one is not a close comparison. And yeah, the point I made with Rory too was just I feel like people forget how many majors four is, and he made yeah. the great point. He said, you know. Day and DJ need three more majors to get to me. I am three away from Arnold Palmer, and uh, um, <laughs> I also I also saw something I said last summer where I gave uh, Spieth and Rory both six more majors. <laughs> <laughs> Did I overestimate that one? Or I mean, six is just it's just so many. It was it was when they held all four. In my defense, they held all four at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I thought they were going to win like the next eight as well. So it's well, it's and that's the thing. It's so easy to get caught up in that. By the way, Rory sounded a lot cooler than you did when he said uh, three more, and I get to Arnold Palmer. Uh, the accent was just it was terrific. Um, well, but, well, yeah, it sounds cooler coming from him than it does from me. That's a given. <laughs> but uh, you know, talking about Zach Johnson, do you think? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> what? By the way, Bacon Bacon thinks that uh, Zach has been working out with Rory. He said he looked pretty thick at the Sony Open. Um, okay. The uh, do you think in a hundred years that that people will look back on the the golfers that have won Augusta and St Andrews? You know, uh, like Tiger and and Nicholas and uh, I, I can't even. Remember. I think Faldo did it. I can't remember. And and be like, Rory's gonna do it. And and then look at Zach Johnson and and be like, what? Who? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? I like how you just slide that in there. Yeah, Rory's gonna, he's going to do it. He's going to win it. Well, <laughs> he, he would be going for it this year if he hadn't been playing soccer back in 15. That's or true. Whenever, he was going to win that one. He was definitely going to win that one. Um, do you – this is kind of – I've been asked this by several people, and I, I feel like people want – this answer to go a certain way it can sound kind of like a, a uh, monday morning uh radio show talk uh question but do does this like is j I, I, stacking up the resumes at this point it's not a comparison jt versus spieth but some people want to entertain 
Like going forward, JT or Spieth, whose career would you take? Yeah, that. So just erase what they've done right now. I would. I would say for that. For I mean, yeah, I would say to to, to level out the question. I, th- I don't think many people are going to say at the end of their careers they 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 think JT will have a, a stronger resume. If you give you give Spieth a two major lead yeah. in that category, we just talked about how how important those majors are. But yeah, going forward, erase what they've done to date. What, what would you take? I think it's a real question. I think you so know, too. And and, and uh, it feels hot takey because it's like okay, we need to we need to calm down. Like like Thomas just won a thirty two man event in, in Kapalua and, and the Sony. It's not like he you know took a uh, the players or a WGC or anything like that. But I I, I don't know. Um, I I guess Spieth, but. I, it, it does. It feels a little bit like Thomas. Thomas is um, like he's got a he's got like a half gear beyond speed when they're both going really well. But I think that I think the thing that is going to win. I think I think Jordan Speed's going to win multiple U.S. Opens, and and I think it's just because he's so mentally tough and and such a just he's just a tough putter. Like he just won't make bogeys and he won't make double bogeys and. I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I'd go speed. I equate it to this. You know how, like, leading up into, like, a fantasy football draft throughout the summer, right? You can see rankings, fantasy football rankings, and I don't know who's projected number one for next year. Like, probably Ezekiel Elliott, right? Then take, like, the number eight running back on the board. Come, like, we, like going into that, that year, you would never think of taking that number eight guy over Ezekiel Elliott, right? But like, come week four, couldn't your perception of that be totally different? Like, like going into this season, I don't think two weeks ago we wouldn't be asking ourselves this question. But now, uh, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things you got to try to get ahead of. Not that it matters what we actually say, but and like you got to try to get ahead of and, and think like think of like what these guys actually uh, their actual abilities are. I mean, we we like to think we know which direction guys are going to go and whatnot, but. I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a fair question. I think the the I'm still taking Spieth in that we've not seen Thomas do it without um, with anything less than his A game. You know what I mean? Like he's not he's not hung around. He, like look at look at what Spieth did in these last couple weeks alone. He, he he's like right there in the top five in competition until we see JT do that on a consistent basis on top of winning. Again, that's asking a lot, but um, I think that's where I'll, I'll err on the side of speed in that regard. But it's interesting that we're even having the conversation at this point. I don't think it's too hot takey. Yeah, it, it really is. You know what was uh, impressive about Spieth in Hawaii is just his uh, – and I think you talked to him about this also, but his strokes gained on approach shots. Yeah. He, switched his, he switched his irons at uh, the Australian Open, I think. And he was uh, number he was number one in the field at the Sony Open in strokes gained approach shots. And really, I mean, he he didn't putt that great. I can't remember what his strokes gained were, but it, it wasn't the way that he normally puts. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to be awesome this year. And I thought he was awesome last year. Um, people just lose their minds about and and he he said it best actually. It was. If, if I had the same year I had in 2015, I'd win 50 majors and 125 events. And that's you know that's absurd. Um, I think he's. Gonna, I think I think both of those guys are. I mean, 
really going out on a limb here, but I think Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are going to be really good at golf in 2017. <laughs> yeah, he was 53rd in strokes gained putting at the Sony last week, and he was yeah. yeah second in strokes gained tee to green behind only JT. But uh, you know what I love is that the U.S. team, the Ryder Cup team, won 17-11 this year, and JT wasn't on that team. <laughs> now look, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, I mean, but he's all, okay. So he's automatic president's cup this year is he getting close to locking up that 2018 spot uh i i don't i don't know i i, I mean are we already talking about the 2018 Ryder Cup? <laughs> i'm surprised it were, took us 28 minutes into this to actually start talking about the I was, we got a question about pairings for the 18 Ryder cup from twitter Oh, uh, well, somebody asked what, what Reed is going to do now that Spieth and JT are for sure going to get paired. And I said, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Captain Reed is going to let JT steal, uh, steal Spieth away from him. Reed's going to hold the country hostage until he gets a, like, something in writing. Like, he's going to have to get it notarized from Furyk or something. Oh, man. Uh, all right, have we covered JT enough, you think? Uh, what have yeah, we missed? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, um, I don't know. So he got this question, and I think it's a good one. It, and you saw it with uh, Jimmy Walker a couple years ago, but it, it's easy to play really well in Hawaii and then not be able to keep the momentum up uh, until Augusta, until the U.S. Open. I, I'm really I'm really interested to see how his the rest of his 2017 plays out because I, I don't think it's crazy to, to think if he gets a, a major – if, if, if he wins the Masters or the U.S. Open, he, he could pretty easily and probably would be uh, player of the year. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and, and that's – I mean, he's already got three wins. He's won three of his last four events. Like, it, it's almost – it's hard to overstate what he's done, but um, I, I don't know. It, it's uh, it, it's going to be a really fun uh, – it's already been, and it will be a, a fun year. I, my only word of caution on it, I think he's even said this in a press conference or said this recently, but – He's got he. It's going to change for him. Everything's going to change for him. Not quite to the level that it changed, like for Spieth after winning the Masters. But the attention that's going to be on him is a completely different attention. And I think it helps that he saw like what Jordan went through, mostly last year uh, in twenty sixteen, yeah. kind of a tough year with the media, and you know wasn't totally pleased with the narratives that were built in. And the second, just everything he does is going to be scrutinized a little bit differently now. And I, I but he's a smart kid, and he knows uh, he knows that's coming, and he knows he's going to be prepared for that. And that's the only thing I would I would caution him that everything's going to change. He's going to be in all the feature pairings now. He's going to be, uh, but what what's working in his favor is he 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 was like at the forefront of people's attention. Maybe not for the best reasons. I mean, it was mostly that he was friends with Spieth and you know SB2K and. He's a really popular player, and he was in like you know a lot of PGA Tour live feature groups and all that stuff. But now it's like now people are really going to expect stuff out of him, and when it doesn't go well, he's going to get those questions. And uh, we'll see, we'll see uh, how well he handles that stuff. But can, can we? Can, by the way, can we stop with the uh, asking each of them about each other stuff? <laughs> like I, I just, I mean, I like we get it. Like I yeah. and and and, Sp- and they Spieth actually gave some really good quotes on him, but. I, it's just like okay, like a lot of these guys are friends. It's not like they're they're not like the two best friends that anyone has had, you know. Like I, I don't know. It's just it strikes me as being just kind of a little bit contrived, you know. I, I thought the most poignant thing that Thomas did in Hawaii or said, I think it was after his um, his win at Kapalua, and he was asked about 
just expectations and speed and and whatever and he was like he, he was so honest about it he just said you know speed I, I can't remember his exact words but he said something like speed winning the masters in the u.s open and and the success of some of the other young guys he's like that was that was hard on me and i didn't handle it well and He's like, it's not that I wasn't excited for them. I was, but it was just like, I'm, I'm that good too. And, and I totally, I totally get that because like we've all had people in whatever industry we work in that are our peers coming up. And then all of a sudden their star kind of takes off and you're like, wait a second, like we're, we're the same. And, and I think that can, I think that can damage your psyche a little. And, and I don't know if it did for him. Obviously it didn't long term because he's number eight in the world. But I just thought that was a really cool moment of honesty that, that is reminiscent of what we've gotten from Spieth and, and Rory over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, I know I feel that way when I see one of your tweets going viral. I'm just like, man, like, <laughs> I could have thought of that. Or when you've got a really good take, like, man, I could, I could have thought of that. No, but I, that kind of... Um, I don't know that that I I totally agree with what you just said in that he maybe he just had a better understanding of what his potential and what his standing in the game was than, than like even like some of his biggest fans did. I mean, as much as I wanted to believe it, I just I I can't believe we're sitting here saying that he's won three times in five starts. It's ridiculous and it's awesome. But um, I mean, we have we you want to go thirty more minutes on JT or do you want to you want to go to the other side of the pond? Are we ready to do this yet? We had our fun. Now we have to. Now it's time to uh, get a little mel- melancholy. I'm afraid on this podcast. Yeah, I need a I need to crack open a beer or two for this next segment of the pod. <laughs> uh, Rory McIlroy, second place finish at the South African Open, um, tweaked his back on Friday, considered withdrawing, uh, toughed it out, and just announced a few hours ago he will not be playing in Abu Dhabi because of a stress fracture in his rib. Uh, one to ten, what's your freakout level? Uh, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about my freakout level. Um, just, I don't know. I'm like a, I'm like a four or a three. Okay. I, I don't. <clears throat> part of it feels super precautionary, just with Augusta coming up. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know the level of it. I, I can say I'm uh, personally disappointed because I, one of my favorite parts of January, February is the uh, kind of the early morning. Uh, Middle East tournaments, getting up and, and watching the the final rounds of those, getting up at like five thirty or six a. It's sort of like the the open, but um, even earlier, and uh, just getting up to watch the final rounds of those. I know watching Fowler win last year. It's just it's super fun, and and I'm bummed that he's not going to be playing Abu Dhabi. How was it? How much did you enjoy getting up uh, this past Sunday to watch him play live at five a.m. Well, I was I was pissed because I woke up at four thirty on Sunday morning. Just I was locked in and. Golf Channel is is uh, showing the uh, it's on tape delay because they started <laughs> early and I was just like this is the only people that are up are the ones are the ones that are trying to watch it live so why not show it live and then go back and show like the, the last nine holes later on I mean I was irate it's the DVR era I do, will never understand tape delay like if somebody really wants to watch and not know the result they have full capability to record it and watch it on their own time and stay off Twitter and not know. You can't yeah. tell me it rates better to put that on tape delay. I mean, who, who you're you're basically trying to trick people into thinking that it's live. I mean, uh, otherwise no one's tuning in to watch that. Maybe you know the result and you still want to see how it played out, but God, I hate tape delay. I was lucky enough to be able to see it live. I had to watch it in Dutch, unfortunately, though, because it was I couldn't watch the Golf Channel. But um, well, I was trying to I was trying to find an illegal uh, Sky Sports stream on my phone. I, I think I think my phone might have a virus now, actually, because I was trying. <laughs> 
I was trying to get it live, and uh, I I went to some websites that were very questionable to try to see this this thing live. Uh, I could make an inappropriate joke, but I don't want to get you. I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> Um, I thought, I mean, yeah, we zoomed past the actual tournament um, just to focus on the injury. But um, for a first event out, brand new equipment, entire new equipment, everything in the, his bag was new and a new golf ball, second place finish. It wasn't the best best field, but oh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he shot between 65 and 67 every day out there. Uh, very, in, in, uh, again, I want to say encouraging start, but here we are. The momentum is 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 stalled here because of the injury, but... Um, I was I was still at the same time pretty happy for Graham Storm. I, I wanted to see signs from Rory. I didn't need to see him win. He's won enough European Tour titles to me that it wasn't like the same emotion as watching JT win. But uh, happy for Graham Storm and happy to see uh, what's so funny over there. It's just the same emotion. You just were emotional after JT's win. Emotion might not be the right word because I went to sleep, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, the only thing we can talk about really is the injury at this point because I wanted to see the momentum carry over into Abu Dhabi, but he's out for that. Um, the future is kind of uncertain. Uh, I agree. I, I don't. I don't know if this was Augusta. I think he'd be teeing it up. Do you? Do you agree? It feels like it. Yeah, you know, I, I thought. Um, I, I'm, I'm always so interested by the way that Rory. Um, it interacts and just the way he carries himself and whatever. It, it, doesn't it? Does it feel like sometimes that like he, even though he lost, he was he was more excited for Graham Storm than Graham Storm was <laughs> a little bit. Like, and, and I don't mean that. I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that Rory's not competitive or anything like that. But and and I uh, he obviously wanted to win. But it, it's just it's interesting to see his reaction after losing a, a tournament like that. He seemed genuinely excited for, for Graham storm to, to win that tournament a, a couple of months after uh, thinking that he lost his European tour card. Uh, <clears throat> I think, uh, I mean, kind of the same way that, with the Ryder cup as well. I mean, he was obviously, obviously upset to lose that, but was genuinely happy for a lot of the American players and, you know, was joking around with them about their celebration and whatnot and happy to see the American fans get rewarded for, you know, their first win in eight years and whatnot. So I definitely think there's something to that. I thought, and somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter, I think, that I didn't even really realize it. Um, he kind of left the scene almost immediately and let Graham Storm have the have the, have the the glory. And he wasn't, didn't do like a TV interview, I don't think. And um, yeah. I'm sure there were people, you know, the TV network would have been dying to have him on, but probably didn't want the focus to be on himself at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, I mean, I'm sure he would have loved to have won the tournament. It's kind of, uh, um, I, I think he would have been a lot more upset if it was like the Northern Trust or the Genesis Open or whatever it is now. I think if he'd have lost at Riviera, he'd have been way more upset than he was. Um, you know, he was down there playing that tournament as a favor and a promise to Ernie. I think he had a, a great time down there, and he's glad he made the trip, and it was well worth it. But uh, well, he may want to take that back now that he, now that he's injured. But um, yeah, I, I, I thought I thought there was there was definitely something to what you just said. He, as a bonus, he did get uh, footage of Patrick Reed in his natural habitat out on a, a safari. Did I thought, you see that? Yeah, I thought about that, that too. And of course, Reed, Reed not uh, taking up his European tour card is what let Graham Storm uh, play on the tour. And Storm's the only guy that beat him. So the only guy really to beat Reed in the last three or to beat Rory in the last three months is Reed, I think. So. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, he, he, he took that video of a lion uh, just 
kind of preening about. It looked like what I imagine Reed walking to the range on his off days looks like. <laughs> but dressed head to toe in red, white, and blue. Uh, what did you <laughs> yes. what, what did you think of the his interview with uh, Paul Kimmage? I assume that's how you say it. I only know how to read it, but uh, the two part yeah. interview with the Independent. I couldn't get enough. I wanted there to be a part three. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was just and. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, just it, Rory's um, obviously honesty and just genuineness, and he, he's just such a—he's he, such a thoughtful individual. And, and I don't mean that in in the way that uh, I don't—I don't mean that he is like thinks of others and is kind to others or whatever. I just mean he like thinks about what he's doing. He thinks about his own life. He's very—I he, think he has really high emotional intelligence. And it, I think that comes out in interviews, and um, it, it was—I thought it was fabulous. I mean, I, I it, just some of the quotes in there. I actually, I told one of our, one, I told uh, Porath that I, I had to like check the the uh, website multiple times because some of the quotes in there, I was like, this sounds like somebody would would make it up. It was it was almost too good. Like it was just it was amazing. I loved it. You thought it was from the Onion. Uh... I did. <laughs> I, I was really happy with the way our podcast turned out, and then I read that, and I was like, "Damn, man that that's a, like that's a that, like that's the difference between a journalist and me, though." That Kimmage like asked some really good questions. He really, really did his homework, and I think he's known Rory for a long time. At least it sounds like it, and really got down into some topics that I was I don't want to say I was afraid to bring up, but I I purposely tried to avoid the Olympics just because I think that he legitimately doesn't care about it which is fine to me and i just don't think it's that important i know a lot of people have tried to cram it down our throats that the olympics is the most significant event in in golf history but um i just i I think i found the part obviously between great britain and ireland and that kind of identity crisis so fascinating i don't think i i know that like when he won the 2012 u.s open i can confidently say i did not understand that that conundrum at all. I think a lot of people growing up in the States probably can't relate to that that much just because it's, we identify a lot by the country that we're from and he's from a really unique place in, on earth or in the Western world that that really is like an identity crisis within that. And the fact that I thought he would use the word uh, that he resented the Olympics. I, I found that word very interesting in that, he didn't. He didn't blame. He wasn't blaming the Olympics for like this. This you know making him make this decision. But not a lot of athletes, Olympic athletes, have to make a decision what country they play for. And knowing the political ramifications of it, I can totally see just getting fed up with that, especially when you weren't that passionate about the event uh, to begin with. But I just think it's it's awesome to have a, a young athlete that's willing to be that open, honest, and forthcoming and I, I feel like he's just like bursting at the seams right now to be as honest as, as possible and I'm not even sure like everyone really realizes how open he is about everything at this point yeah I agree yeah. I, I thought the, the maybe the best part uh, to me was the uh, the crying on his hotel bed in Korea with the Pringles mm-hmm. was it Pringles the chips that yeah. he was eating I think it was You're, I love how you yeah, try to try to act like you didn't memorize this interview <laughs> no was it well, Pringles <laughs> I only read it like 11 times, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I've always been struck by his, he, he said this, I can't remember, I can't remember if it was the Jaime Diaz interview a couple years ago or, or what it was, but he's like, I, I never really knew what to do with, with the gift. Like he, he know he knows, and everybody knows that he's, he's the, he's the generationally great one. And he, he, he just, he didn't know what to do with it and he couldn't figure out like, 
that winning was it's okay to win yeah. and he, he said it felt selfish and I, I just thought it was um I, I don't know I've always been just so intrigued by that part of Rory and I, and I think it makes him just such a it, it, it was so funny to me to, to hear people like say they disliked him at the Ryder Cup because to me and and we follow it more closely than probably a lot of people watching the Ryder Cup but He's one of the most likable superstar athletes in the world, not just in golf, just because of the way he thinks about things and and uh, and handles himself. So I, I don't know, I, I, you know, and him talking to his dad about you know wanting to quit because it was unfulfilling after he won as a 16 year old. That, that stuff is just, I mean, that's just like heavy life stuff, you know. Like that goes beyond sports, and it's really um, it, it makes him become sort of three dimensional to me going forward. Well, you and I should not be the authority figures on on his likability because no, there, no, be, there might be some bias here. Uh, I think I'm going to save this for whenever we. I, I think we will do another podcast together in the future, and I want to. I want to understand. Um, so he. It doesn't sound like he loves playing golf anymore, which is understandable. It, it, I'm not. He doesn't like make it sound like he dislikes the game at all. But when we're talking about what a perfect day is for him, he, it does not involve going to the golf course. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have the go- he wants to be the best European player ever, uh, but doesn't have the goal to pass Tiger, which he he should not have that goal. Nobody should ever make that as a goal. But he he know he's twenty seven, I think, and he's got all the money he could possibly want. So what honestly at that point keeps you going? You know, I mean, I think he cares more about life than his his legacy as a golfer. Does that make sense? Yeah, and he's he said or uh, he didn't say that, but uh, Jack Nicholas talked about that recently. He said Rory has to decide right now, like whether he wants to be maybe the best ever. And I, I was surprised to hear Nicholas say that because he, and I'm pretty sure he used the words "best ever." Um, I was like, "Whoa, Jack, that's that's for me and Solly. Like, we're the ones that usually talk about that." Rory could, Rory's going to be 55, and Jack is still going to be like, "Oh, I think he might still be my record." Jack's going to be 110. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is, um, it, 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 he's not, so the thing that is intriguing about that is that he's not like Tiger. Like Tiger just wakes up and thinks about just, just kill housing people, like whether it's on the golf course or on the Xbox or whatever. And Rory, you get the sense that Rory wants to like retire when he's 39 or 42 or something and do something else. And I don't know, I don't know what that would be, but, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like, so we want our, we want our superstar athletes to, to only care about the sport they play, to not have any other interest in life, to be wholly dedicated and, and fully locked into what they're doing so that we can, so we, so that we can get the enjoyment from that. Yeah. And it's like, how selfish of, of us as fans to, to demand that of our, of our superstar athletes. And so I, I don't, I don't mind that he is um, seemingly just not disinterested with golf, but that he, um, and, and I think it might help him, you know, Tron has talked about this. Like he's, he's like, Rory only cares like 75 days a year and, and he's awesome because of it. And um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I want to be clear that I'm not doubting his competitiveness in any way. I, I just I find it such an interesting place to be in your career when you got to decide what you what you want. And I feel like he is very comfortable with where he is in life, and he's happy with his fiance, soon to be wife, and kind of 
uh, appreciates that side of life more. But st- he still has this incredibly competitive streak. But it's kind of like once you've accomplished all of the, all that you've accomplished, you have no monetary really implications going forward. What really motivates you? It's got to be your own internal will and and basically a legacy. And if uh, it kind of just comes down to how much you enjoy that chase and getting up at five thirty, going to the gym every day, and and uh, I don't know, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I think. He's set up to play really, really good golf because of where he is in, in a mental state. And I'm, I'm saying this before the injury. I don't know what, what how long this is going to linger. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Really. Yeah, I, well, I, I hope that it didn't come off from me either no. that, he, that he doesn't like golf or that he no. doesn't care. I, I think he cares a lot. Uh, and I, I think he cares about specific things. I think he cares about the slam. I think he cares about the Ryder Cup. Um, he obviously cared about the Irish Open last year. That was pretty eye-opening in that interview. He definitely um, and, cares about being the best player in this generation. So I don't want to. I don't want to. I didn't mean to glance past that either. But he definitely yeah. cares about that. Yeah, but I, I think to your point, like he, the, the more money you get, the more times you win, the fewer incentives there are. And he's not the kind of person like Tiger who just invents incentives for himself. Um, I think it's important that he's kind of structured his lifestyle around being fit and being healthy and, and stuff like that because I think if you don't then it can kind of get away from you a little bit um, but yeah I think I think the more if he gets to eight majors or ten majors or whatever he's gonna have so few incentives that it's like you know what 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 does keep driving you and it, it will be it will be super interesting to watch the next 10 or 12 years of his career well I already guarantee that he wins six more majors so <laughs> Um, all right, let's get to some uh, Twitter questions. Um, well, first of all, Jay, Jay Rigdon wanted to know, he's like, yeah, like you'll be able to squeeze in my question after 75 minutes breaking down potential 2018 Ryder Cup pairings. We've we, only got 50, so we're good. <laughs> we got plenty of time then. Um, uh, Jay Bar- Barbudo wants to know, who's the next lingering young guy to finally make the leap? Rogers, Finau, someone I'm forgetting. I think it's fair to kind of transition that because I think like we were you know both on the big train of Thomas making the leap. That it's it's safe to say he's made the leap, right? We're we're there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's got his Wikipedia page changed to the ambassador. So that was good. special. That was quite that was special. Awesome. That was special. Um, I'm I'm assuming we we're leaving Kepka out of this, right? Already played on a Ryder Cup team, so uh, I just wanted to say it. I just wanted to say what. <laughs> Uh, The first name that came to mind for me was Rogers. Um, You know, tying Tiger is the all-time wins leader at Stanford. I don't know. I think he had a he had a decent year last year. Obviously, didn't win. Um, But yeah, he's. You know, I I was actually thinking about we 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 uh, spouted out our uh, 2018 Ryder Cup teams when we were in that hotel room taping that podcast a couple months ago. Yeah. And I forgot about him. I would, if I would have remembered him, I would have put him on that team. And obviously, it's a long way away, but he's he's the guy for me. I think. Uh, I don't. I don't. I can't believe you you gave up the chance there to say Brandon Hagee. Like I think it just that automatically makes me the president of the Brandon Hagee fan club. Like you had. <laughs> can I? I let you I, go first. <laughs> Can I reminisce about how a couple of weeks ago you sent me a, a clip from one of our first podcasts and we were we were weeping tears of joy over over Brandon Hagee hitting hitting irons and drivers and we had I still I still have only seen him play like one time I, I saw him at the uh, at the uh, U.S. Open in 2015 so um, I think that same podcast is when we broke down we laughed about uh, the fact that Trump just announced he's running for president. <laughs> 
come a long way from those days. <laughs> or maybe it hasn't. I'm still on here. So. <laughs> it really hasn't. Uh, Maddie Lou wants to know, do you find it weird when you're on a Twitter heater and we like all of your tweets? Uh, you know, I want to I want to say this seriously. Like, I, I have actually kind of structured the way that I treat social media around uh, the way that you you have done it, and, and I mean that in all seriousness. I, I feel like you've done such a good job, and I, I can't go as far as you do sometimes on Twitter. <laughs> go as far as I do. Look at Tron's Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, just in, instead of, and I think people get a little confused on social media. They think that like volume, people are volume shooters on Twitter and shoot that's, not shoot. Good, that, that's not a great thing. You need to, you need to be shooting layups. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've sort of tried to emulate what you do and I don't know, it's been working out. I don't know if the, the I was, I will say I had my uh, Justin Thomas at the Sony open moment during the Ryder cup last year. I, I don't even know if that can, I don't know if I can ever do that again. That was an out of body experience for you. I was like, <laughs> Like by Tuesday, you were—I wasn't even on the grounds yet—and you were like already just blazing a trail all the way to Hazel T. <laughs> I emptied the clip that way. Emptied the clip by like what? The best one was uh, was—I think it was—it uh, was a Ray Lewis gif, and the quote was like, "Bubba hit the smoke." Is Patrick Reed saying, "Bubba hit the smoke"? <laughs> And Bubba's like, it's Tuesday, Patrick. Hit the smoke. <laughs> and Patrick Reed comes out like Ray Lewis. Um, oh, God. This is just turning out like every podcast we do. I'm just sitting here crying, laughing. <laughs> um, I'm scrolling these questions, trying to find them. I didn't sort through these at all. Uh, now that JT has three wins on the year, over under 4.5 wins for the season. That's a good one. That is a good one. Five wins is so many. So many wins. Um, I'll say I'll say under just because I don't know. It, like it, it, it's the same thing as when you said Spieth and Royal win six. It gets it's so easy to get caught up in the moment, like right after a major, right after Thomas yeah. wins two straight. Um, winning tournaments is hard though, and especially the ones he's going to be playing in because he's not going to play. I presume the same schedule as he's played in the past. Um. So, yeah, I'll say under. I'll say he wins four. Okay. I know my headline now for when I share this podcast. Kyle Porter does not believe it, that Jordan, that Justin Justin Thomas is the truth. Um, He's never won on the continental United States. <laughs> uh, I'll go over just to go opposite of you. I think it's – I think I think he – yeah, it is so hard to win. Winning two more tournaments. I mean, that'd be, that'd be a great season if he won – if he wiped out his season to date and won two more events – uh, and if he wins two more, he's the player of the year, probably, unless somebody wins two majors, I would think. But yeah. uh, Golf Unfiltered wants to know, three threats of sub-60 rounds this week, good or bad for the game? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's – it's not bad for the game. It might be bad for the event. The, the thing I was thinking about 59, I, I think that – it's obviously still magical right now. You, you've only seen eight instances of, of sub-60 rounds. I think you tweeted that out. There's been, what was it, how many perfect games in like baseball, 24? 23 or something like that, yeah. And only eight sub-60 rounds. I, I think you're going to see – I think it's still magical right now. I think I think you're going to see that number double in, like, the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in, I think 10 years from now it might not be as special to shoot 59. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily bad for the game. 
Yeah, I'm with Bacon on this one. I don't get why people are complaining about like all this awesome, th- awesome stuff happening. I get like, I don't know. You, you can't act like shooting 59 is an easy thing to do. I know there were it was really close a couple other times this week too, but I, don't, I still I refuse to believe that playing a golf course in 11 under par with only two par fives is not extremely impressive, regardless of what the setup is. And Wildlife is an easy course. It's not. I don't know. It's not that that easy. Like again, like I said, there's not that many par fives where you can just dominate them. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not that concerned about it. I'm realizing I glanced past the topic though. That I know a lot of people are really, really excited about. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on Jim Furyk getting the captaincy for 2018? <laughs> Can I share a quick nugget in that uh, Andy Johnson, who runs our uh, does our newsletter with the fried egg, uh, so there's about 10,000 people on our newsletter list or something like that. He said he sent a, uh, sent a link to you know Furyk being named captain. Not one person clicked the link out of the 10,000 people that received the email. <laughs> I think I'm okay. I'm fine with it. And, and, and the reason I'm fine with it is because yeah. it's clear the Americans have adopted this European style of um, handling Ryder Cups now. Like they're going to, their assistant or their vice captains are going to become captains and it's going to be sort of this just system. And if Furyk's the next guy up, that's fine because as long as you have that system, you're going to have, you're going to have a lot of talent, you know, like you're going to have, uh, Justin Thomas playing five matches in Paris. You're going to have uh, Patrick Reed just uh, burning down the Eiffel Tower. So I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't know that it. I, I yeah, I'm fine with Furyk. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I wasn't even listening. I just wanted to share my take on this. Okay, so I, I just brought it up so I could talk. Um. So. First off, first of all, I'm fine with Furyk being captain. I think he make an excellent captain, and I was actually I'm very much in support of it because I had assumed that meant he is out of the running to play as a member of a playing member of the U.S. Ryder Cup team. He has been a part of nine U.S. Ryder Cup teams. He's had a losing record in eight of them. He's been a part of seven losing teams. Uh, we went through a bit of a transition year that he was not a part of. I'm not saying. That because Furyk wasn't on the 2016 team, that's the reason the U.S. won. But we are again entering this period of time where we have so many good young players that don't have the scar tissue of losing seven Ryder Cups that Jim Furyk should be forever not considered as a member of the team. I know he wants to win. I know he has an ex- had an excellent career, incredible Hall of Fame player, major champion, perennial top 10, top 5 player in the world. No disrespect to his career. I would have thought people understood that part of my take. But, of course, when it was brought up during the press conference, like, would he consider being a playing captain? And he didn't rule it out. I thought that was a mistake from day one. And, and I think that it should not even come close to being a distraction for the team. He should. I, I know that being a captain is not... I don't think takes that. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of. It's a lot of handling the press. It's a. It's. It is a, a tough process. But actually, being a good captain is not that hard. It's not like he needs to focus on being a good captain. That's not what I. What my take is. But I just think it should not even come close to being a distraction for the team. Uh, and I know the media is going to go nuts with it as soon as he shoots a sixty-three. Oh, could Furyk be a playing captain? And sure enough, Morning Drive tweeted out like, "Should Jim Furyk be a playing captain?" 
on the right, or could he be a playing captain? So I just retweeted it and said, oh yeah, sure, why not? The worst Ryder Cup player the U.S. has ever had. Let's let him be the captain and play in the event at age 48. And sure enough, Gary Williams had to address it on the, live on the air, which I kind of felt bad. But, I mean, it should not, it, he should have ruled that out from the very beginning. It should, and, uh, and people are already talking about, you know, if he does play on it, somebody else will take over captaincy roles. It's just the last thing I want to see is that kind of distraction leading up into it. And I uh, just think that we should be moving on from that part. I mean, it's, I don't know, it should be a done deal. He should, he should eliminate himself from any consideration of playing for the Cup. Is that a fair take? Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't really matter because we all know that Patrick Reed's the captain anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I did love the uh, the screen grab of Gary Williams' face um, on your on your tweet. He looked like he looked like he would rather carry Jim Furyk's bag for the next two years than than address your tweet on morning drive. <laughs> I couldn't believe they made him address it. I felt I kind of felt bad after that. I'm just sitting at work, spouting off my Furyk opinions, and little did I know it was going to make TV. But just spewing Ryder Cup takes. Uh, <laughs> a clean yeah, 21 I mean, months in advance, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I I agree with you. I, I don't I don't know that he should have ruled himself. I, I'm just already annoyed with it. <laughs> like like you said, we're 21 months away. I'm just annoyed with the idea that he could be a playing captain. Um, but I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I presume it will not be an issue because he. I don't think will be close enough to making the team. Although he was this year, and he didn't. He was out with a wrist injury for however long. And then Davis Love ran his ten thousand simulations of where Furyk would have been if he would have played. And it's like, what the hell are we doing? Like, put <laughs> Justin Thomas on the team. My gosh, it's not that hard. <laughs> uh, 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 so yeah, I don't know. If Bubba gets selected as a captain's pick, is he going to go back to Paris, or does he still not not like Paris? <laughs> <laughs> the big tower thing? Do you think he's going to go visit it again? There's definitely going to be an international incident in 2018. Uh, true story. I went to uh, I, I went to visit my boss after the Ryder Cup, and uh, he said our our CVS uh, headquarters are down in Florida, and he said. You know, you've been doing a good job. Uh, I've enjoyed you traveling. I think when you travel, uh, you know, it's it's been good. We've we've gotten good stories and and stuff like that. And and uh, he said, "Is there anything else you'd like to do?" And I said, "Well, I said Paris is next year." And he said, and he looked at me and goes, "Let's not get carried away." <laughs> you got to build up to that. You got to start with Memorial. Come on, that's that's the one you go to and you do a great job at Memorial. Then you build up to Paris. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I know you. Are you going to be there at Paris? I don't know, man. I have no idea. I thought I, you planned your like. I thought your five year plan in life was based around Ryder Cup locations. I mean, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to be caddying or playing. I might be I might be caddying for the European team at that point. Who knows? Uh, I mean, I lo- I would definitely love to be there. Not, I just part of me. You can't ever top what we experienced in 2016, though. I mean, that's like that was the greatest. Greatest in-person sports experience I think I've ever had, but um, yeah. it'd be fun to hear. Anything we missed? Because I've got you for an hour now. Um, have we covered no, well? Let's, let's, do we want to hit a few more questions? We can. I mean, I'm, I feel bad t- taking you for over an give, hour here, but give me give me like two or three more. I'm having fun. Um, if oh, here's a good one. Kevin Power. If I'm Michael Greller, well, we kind of already covered this, but if I'm Michael Greller, am I having second thoughts? Who has the better season in 2017, Thomas or Spieth? Yeah, we kind of covered that, but yeah, because Greller. 
used to caddy for Thomas when they were. Yeah. Was that the Junior U.S. Open or something? Um. Yeah. Something like that. Um. How many? <laughs> Preppy Salmon wants to know how many beers did Solly shake and spray over himself like champagne after JT's show the past two weeks. I think you just went straight for the champagne, didn't you? I was asleep, man. I stayed up till 2.30, and it didn't finish until, like, after 4 my time. And he was up by 7 with, like, 7 holes to go. That's just the funny thing. I was like, I'm kind of, I don't know, kind of, kind of bored with Thomas winning at this point. I mean, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't even stay awake for it. Uh, no, Hawaii is, it's like 11-hour time difference for me. It's, it's the worst it's possible. Um... Tucker Blankenship wants to know if you could rank the West Coast events for best viewing experience. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, well, okay, so, so viewing experience, it's it's hard because Pebble is obviously the best visceral experience, but it's also kind of brutal because the rounds are like oh, seven and a half hours. That's the worst. That, that might be the worst viewing experience on tour for the year, I think, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, the scenery is incredible, but um, I won't. I don't want to get you in any, any trouble. <laughs> go say anything else about Pebble. Uh, I gotta go the Riv. I gotta go Riv. That's my favorite. Yeah, that that was that was on my kind of bucket list of, of uh, courses that I wanted to go cover. I got to go last year. Um, stayed with my brother lives in Los Angeles. I got to go cover it there, and uh, that place is spectacular. It's it's pretty awesome. So yeah, I'm I'll, I'll go Riviera as well. Uh, speed playing it this year. Uh, I don't know. Isn't he like hawking shoes in Japan right now or something? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's a couple weeks out, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it, is... I think I, I think he. Is. I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be loaded. Big Cat's coming back. Yeah. Hopefully, Rory plays in it. Um, I, I presume. I think Spieth will uh, always play that event. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, he was kind of. I feel like he was kind of a late commit to it last year, but I I, I don't know. I don't know, and I can't speak on it. I hope he does play. What? Wait, why can't I think of what's after the Humana or the Career Builder or whatever it is now? Uh, Tory. Tory. That's Tory, and then Phoenix, and then Riv. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. So Cat really is coming back very soon. Uh, yeah. We didn't get any Tiger questions actually, but uh, what are we? What are we expecting from that four week out of four out of five week stretch from him? I, I don't know. I mean. Should we call Jack Nicholas and see what he thinks? <laughs> Probably pick him to win the Masters. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, yeah, I just I, I still go back and and you you and I are just just banging on this drum. But he played in the third to last group at the Masters yeah. in 2015. Like I I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think he's going to win this year. But I, I think he's going to have a couple like top tens, top fives. Uh, yeah, I, I think he'll. I think he'll be fine. Like, I don't think it's going to be embarrassing. Are we not concerned that he writes longer blog posts than you and I do now? Like, is that not? Yeah, <laughs> it, one of the great tweets of all time. I thought go, try going back to 2008 and telling <laughs> telling yourself that Tiger Woods is blogging about playing golf with President Elect Trump <laughs> and hasn't won a major. That was that was spectacular. I don't have. I was trying to tell my wife about funny stuff I see on Twitter, and she's like, you're, you're an idiot. Stop, like, just stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have an answer for this one, but Mark Kearney asked a great question. If there was a no-laying-up government, who's in charge? Shirley Mickelson is finance, and Jason Day is health. <laughs> I, don't even know what that, I don't know what health is. Is that a role in the government? Department of Health, I guess? Uh, Mickelson 
is finance. That is, uh, you know, Mickelson, he, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this, but he would be the the greatest, like, if he just, like, ran a Twitter account, it would be the greatest thing ever. Like, he would just, he would just sit there and troll Tiger and, like, just, he, he would, he would do, like, screenshots of his, uh, betting slips in Vegas. I mean, it, it would just be amazing. I, I'm, working, I'm working up enough courage or time to go by to, to ask Bones what the chances are of getting Phil on the podcast. Oh my gosh, that, yeah. would, be, that would be insane. Yeah, I don't know if I could handle it. I, would, I think I would lose it. I try, I, I, it, was, it was hard keeping it together for Bones. You should ask him what he, if, you, if you get to talk to him, you need to ask him what he thinks about uh, Rory saying, "What the f are you guys doing at the 2014 PGA Championship?" <laughs> oh yeah, I, 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 it was. I did bring that up with Bones because I still think about that tournament. I think that was the weirdest finish to a golf tournament ever. And I, I think it would be great to have like like the three of the Ricky. If I had Ricky, Phil, and Rory in the room to talk about it, first of all, Ricky probably wouldn't say a word, and Phil would probably talk the entire time. But I would love to hear their real thoughts on that on that entire finish. I don't know why I yeah. still think about that event, but that'd be a great thirty for thirty. There we go. Um, all right. We're, we're over an hour. I'm going to let you go. I don't see any questions here that are really sticking out to me that much. But um, anything else we missed that you can think of? Uh, no. You guys are doing a great job. It's, it's, uh, <clears throat> I know you don't have me on to say this, but it's been a blast to, to follow, follow your journey. And uh, I appreciate the gear you sent me. Yeah. Uh, the Rory shirt, which I uh, – the, the, the I can't hear you shirt, which everybody should go buy. That's <laughs> um, the greatest. That that whole there should be a thirty for thirty on that hole on that eighth hole. On <laughs> Just on the eighth hole. Um, so yeah, it's it's always fun to come on and, and talk golf, and I, I can't imagine. You know, when I when I started covering golf like four years ago. I, I was just looking to jump in to cover any sport, and I kind of fell into golf. Didn't know a ton about it, and so it's been fun to kind of. Uh, to kind of be along with you and 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 Bacon and uh, and and Van Valkenburg and all of our group and uh, I don't know it, golf is amazing right now like I just freaking love it like I love tuning in I love following along and uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's funny like how these relationships have formed just basically because of Twitter and because of social media and it's been yeah has been a lot of fun. It's been a crazy few years. Uh, the I mean I think yeah you were one of the first podcast guests you were you were second only to Bacon to ever be a guest on the podcast. And I think like maybe 28 people downloaded that first podcast, but you, <laughs> you still said yes when we asked you to come on and, uh, you're, you're still with us. So it's, uh, much appreciated. Um, I do have to give a quick shout out as a request from a coworker of mine, uh, Ryan Sakamoto. I hope I'm saying that right. Listening from La Canada, California. Again, I don't know if I'm saying either of those right, but wanted to bury that in there. You're only a true diehard if you're still here hour and 10 minutes in, but uh, thank you to Kyle for coming on. Um, we'll do a, probably a Masters one. Is that, are you going to the Masters? I am, yes. Yeah. Um, Hopefully I don't see the things that I saw last year. Please no. Please no. <laughs> Unspeakable things. Un, unspeakable, unprintable things. <laughs> All right, Kyle, we're going to let you go. Thank you for your time. Uh, happy Monday, and uh, we'll be in touch, man. Okay, talk to you later. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. It's 
back in 